0: Good morning. Welcome to Real Time with IPELRA, a podcast dedicated to HR topics and local government. I'm Megan Falera And I'm Christina White. Thanks for joining us. Today, we are talking about the great resignation. But before we get into our topic, I wanted to let our listeners know about some exciting things coming up with IPELRA. First, next Friday, we have our legislative update taking place December 10th at Clark Baird Smith's headquarters in Rosemont, Illinois. We will have a speaker from the Chiefs Association as well as the governor's office to address some uh, important items that are, are taking place right now. Next week, we have Justin Pisolini from the 457 Consulting Group analyzing an improvement section 457 plan. But with us today and without further ado, we have Miss Candace Fisher, from the HR Source Group. Candace works with members to help develop talent in their organizations. This includes facilitating training sessions, coaching individual managers and teams, and designing organization-specific performance management systems. If you came to our conference in October in Galena, Candace was there and she did a phenomenal job. She also facilitates training sessions at HR Source and is part of uh, the HR Hotline team. And I think at the end of the episode, she's gonna tell us uh, about another training that's taking place just this week. So good morning, Candace. how are you today? Good morning, I am very well, thank you for asking. How about yourself? Ah, fantastic, life is good. Um, It's a good time to be working in HR because there is a lot going on. And I know when uh, we saw each other in Galena, I asked you about the great resignation and your immediate response was, you know what Megan, that is a whole topic of discussion. So I've got you here today and I wanna hear about it. We hear this term great resignation used a lot lately, What does that mean? Or what what does that even describe?
1: Well, it has to do with the number of people who are leaving jobs. Um, Some of them are for retirement. Some of them are just to leave without any other job. But many, many people are leaving their current employer for other opportunities.
0: So... You know, not so long ago, um, there was this panic, this kind of electric current of panic that ran through. Restaurants were closed. um, People weren't flying. They weren't traveling. They weren't taking Ubers. We were really worried about how people were going to feed their families. And now it seems like there's a plethora of job opportunities and people are walking away. What's going
1: on with that? Absolutely. And, you know, I'll be real honest with you. When I talk to people as far as where all these job opportunities are and where all the people are because unemployment is going down um we're not exactly sure there's a lot going on behind the scenes with um, supply chain and availability of products and things that are affecting everything so we've just got a really weird it's like a perfect storm going on right now with everybody and how they're feeling about about work about jobs about um, employment about the purpose of jobs um and then with the availability of work and service work especially in those um lower end service jobs i'm thinking more worthy um the, the entry level maybe anywhere between minimum wage up to 20 dollars an hour but it's affecting jobs across the board i mean just i think it was last well, last month um the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics announced that 4.3 million Americans, which is 2.9% of the workforce, quit their jobs in August. It's like wow. record-breaking numbers. People are deciding, nope, I'm going to find something that fits me better. It's It's gone from being, I need a job, I need a job, I need a job, I need a paycheck, um, yeah. to I need something that's going
2: to suit my needs. Wow. Yeah, wow. Well. So, I wonder Candace if you have an opinion on on whether the pandemic sort of pushed people into this area of uncertainty and so now the, the population as a whole maybe just more risk tolerant when it comes to leaving a job without the security of another job. That's part of the equation. Well, I'm
1: not I honestly haven't thought about the risk tolerance part of it, but I definitely believe And actually, all of the articles that are out there, everybody's writing, it does definitely have to do with the pandemic, in that people have realized a couple of things. People have realized what's really important. Um, One thing that I was emphasizing in my early sessions on how to work remotely was to put people first. People had families, people have families, people's children were home, people were trying to avoid becoming ill. And employers needed to recognize that. So putting people first. Well, that's one thing that employees aren't going to tolerate being second anymore. Mm. Um, It's not just about profitability. It's not just about serving our customers or whatever your um, industry happens to be. It's about the people. And employees, I think, you know, in a lot of cases, employees are tired of being not treated that way. Um, it's, it's been an axiom for many, many years that people don't leave jobs, they leave managers. And Mm -hmm. if they worked for a manager who wasn't supportive, who didn't help them with their growth, who didn't care about them as individuals, they found somebody else who did. And people now know that that's what they should be expecting. A lot of people are also, when you talk about the pandemic, they're looking for flexibility somewhere, depending on the survey that you look at, um, 39% or higher of or more of people would leave a job if it allows them to work from home. And so employers who are pushing people to get back into the office are finding some people are saying, no, thank you. And so they realize not only is it keeping me safer by being able to stay at home and not be around people, I think that's part of it for some people, but for the rest of the people, they realize how much flexibility it gives them. That time that I used to spend half an hour, forty-five minutes, ninety minutes um, commuting, or sometimes com- that much commuting each way, I can spend now on me. I can mm-hmm. get back to working out or taking care, you know, spending time with my kids. I don't have to drop them off at at before school care quite as early. Um, so there's a, there are a lot of things that the pandemic definitely has, it's changed our way of thinking completely.
0: You know, you know, Candace, I don't know what your conversation around the Thanksgiving dinner table was, but this was what my conversation was. I was at my brother's house, him and his wife are both working professionals, and they used to have to commute from the suburbs downtown every day. Well, Pandemic came, and now they're working from home. They have two small children, and they're never going back in. They have they are so grateful for have this opportunity with their kids that they can't reimagine going back into the office. In fact, we looked up the top five things that. Um, people, people regret when they're dying and they never say, I wish I spent more time at the office. It's all about, um, I wish I spent more time with the kids. I want that. And I, I think that's kind of the general sentiment that we're feeling here. I remember, uh, you know, having discussions like, you know, learning how to say no, well, we used to have to learn how to say no. And now it's convinced me to say yes. So that's been a whole paradigm shift.
1: Absolutely absolutely. And, you know you're right. That's always been the case that nobody ever wished that I'd ever spent more time at work. Um, it's always about something else. But now they've realized that they have control, they have influence over that. And it's not, it's not something that empl- my employer can can mandate on me anymore. And if they tr- if they do, um, I'll find somebody else that that is more flexible, even my daughter, who's in grad school right now, is mm-hmm. has found a job that is a full-time job that she does from home, and she can be right there. She doesn't have to, and her classes are online as well. There's one that she has to go to campus for, but she can leave work, be done with work, and if she needs to go to campus, pack up and be there without having to worry about that extra commute and the time that it saves her. And she doesn't, she's, she doesn't have any, any kids, but her, I can tell you her cat definitely appreciates her being there all the time.
0: Well, and it's peace of mind. I mean, I, I work very far from where I live and I know um, it's, it's a hustle and bustle. When you get up on the days I'm going in, um, there's a certain mindset and the days I'm home, it's a certain, it's a, it's a different mindset. So um I think that's it's absolutely something that we need to consider as employers in the workplace now. The other thing to think about is that there were a number of um, layoffs and early retirements offered during the pandemic, and many employees may have stayed put longer for job security. Well, now as jobs are starting to open up again, are these employees deciding to quit and look for a new job? And, and what about the remaining employees? Are they saddled with more work due to the reducing workforce during the pandemic? What are your thoughts on that? So yes and yes,
1: employees are seeing more opportunities out there. There are people who are leaving without fi- having another opportunity in in hand. And it's taking them less time to find jobs. Or they start looking or, and they put their name out there and, on LinkedIn and they're getting contacted. Um, so it's absolutely something that people are driving for and saying hey now is the time there's there are opportunities out there and now I'm really embarrassed because I've forgotten the second part of your question
0: so for the employees that that um stuck around right they didn't they weren't laid off they didn't you know they wanted to keep job security well the work had to go somewhere right the work didn't get right. laid off just because employees did those that um did that likely picked up the slack um How are they feeling right now? You know, they picked up the slack, more work, reducing the workforce. Are are those employees more likely to say, take this job and shove it? Or or, what's going on there? Um, I think that it's definitely a concern that employers should have. Mm -hmm.
1: There are people who are definitely risk averse. There Mm -hmm. are people who like their job. I love my job. I love what Mm -hmm. I do. I love talking to our members. I've loved continuing to meet with them online and I love meeting with them in person. I have no desire to go anywhere. There are people who are in that same boat, but there are also people who just are scared to leave. And unless they do have something in their hand, they're not going to be jumping. So it's, I think that's just more of a personal preference, but the more we start piling on employees, um, there is a breaking point at which, you know, if, if think back during the Great Recession, um, a decade or so ago, or whenever now, yeah, more than a decade ago, and it was, well, I'm lucky to have a job, I'm lucky to have a job, and employers would say that, and that would only go so far. Well, during COVID, it was kind of the same thing. People who kept their jobs during COVID, because a lot didn't, felt, mm-hmm. I'm lucky to have a job, I'm lucky to have a job, but that only goes so far. And with so many people and you can only put so much on those people so if for example we're expecting people to those who are working from home to use that extra time that extra 90 minutes a day or 90 minutes each way of their commute to now put in and put more time into work that's where people are going to say this is unreasonable loyalty right. Loyalty goes both ways. People can be loyal to, and it's usually to people, and that's something that we found um, with, you know, that people talked about how millennials weren't loyal. That's not the case. They were loyal to people, not to this big entity of the company. Well, people can be loyal to other people and managers, but that needs to be reciprocated. And if it's not, employees are not willing to many, many employees are not willing to put up with it. So I think employers really need to be concerned about that extra work that they're putting on people without having some kind of a um, remuneration, whether they're giving them more time off or whether they are giving them an increase or a bump. And that's something else. A lot of people didn't get increases or they got pay cuts during COVID. Um, Employers definitely need to be looking at their compensation structure now, and we do have a lot of a lot of members who are considering, you know, are saying, "Hey, this is important." So our our project load is really piling up in that way. But I think it's it's important. Employers need to consider: Are my employees being made whole? Not Sorry. only did they get take cuts and not get increases, but there's inflation going on right now, and employees who aren't being made whole by their current employer who might be getting or getting more work piled on them. Again, you're much greater risk, um, or much much more of a flight risk.
0: Right. I love that idea that loyalty goes both ways. I think um, oftentimes, you know, especially again, thinking back to the holiday table, there might be different generations there. People who worked at a company for a very long time versus, you know, at at um, the different the younger generations may have worked at several companies by the time they they made it to dinner today. I I just think that's interesting that that we need to think about uh, the loyalty that we're providing to our employees as well. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I mean, employers are thinking, you know, they're surprised at how many people are ghosting them.
2: Employees Mm.
1: or people, candidates who don't show up for interviews or employees who don't show up on the first day. Or they may show up on the first day and leave within a week because they decide this isn't for me. Well, employers have been doing that forever to people to yeah. candidates, to employees. They just don't contact. They don't get back to them. They don't get answers to their questions.
0: It's it's a two-way street now. It's not it's not the employer in charge anymore. Absolutely. And you can drive down the street and there's a sign every three feet, now hiring, now hiring, flexible hours, signing bonus, X, Y, Z. Absolutely. Sanders, it's,
1: okay. every, everybody's, everybody's looking. And again, especially in the service industry, but um, I've I've seen signs on restaurants that we're closing in on, on, on Tuesdays every week, um, due to lack of staffing, or we're closing at eight o'clock every day due to lack of staffing, due to lack of staffing, please be picked signs when you walk into a restaurant, we may have empty tables, but we don't have staff to, to command yeah. those tables. It's, it's yeah. everywhere.
2: Candice, is the data showing that there is certain demographic groups um, where this is a bigger impact than others? I know during the pandemic, for example, we talked a lot about women were leaving the workforce because the, the need to care for children who weren't in school was greater or, you know, adult parents who needed help and support. Uh, was greater on women. And so women were leaving the workforce. Are we seeing this great resignation? Uh, Is that trend continuing with women more prominently than men? Are there age groups that are more heavily prominent?
1: Um, I've seen,
2: for example,
1: um, data that work, for example, the, the younger workers, the Gen Z the workers aged 20 to 25 are increasing their rate of resignation higher than others, which makes complete sense since that group tends to move around more frequently anyway. Um, other than that, I think it's um, certainly the retirees or those who are close to retirement um, are more likely to say, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm done. The, the market, think about what the market has done during at the beginning of COVID, things, things were going down, but the market has done incredibly well. So their retirement's doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they're, you know, some of them are retiring and doing the part-time work just to have something to do or just to bring extra money in. But with 48% of the working population in the U.S., actively looking and that was according to a recent gallup survey um then i think i i do think that it is across the board generally speaking people with less tenure um you know that maybe up to 10 year of tenure in an organization um it's higher but we're seeing we're actually seeing it across the board mm-hmm. you know it's and when I look for statistics, I find a statistic, and then I find something that counts that counters
0: it. So it's right. So you bring up an interesting point about um, people's retirement. Uh, Retirement accounts are doing well. And next week, we do have someone talking about a retirement option. But do you think that unemployment benefits, the government stimulus checks that we had a while ago, and, and any other social safety net factors have allowed people to be more selective in the types of jobs they're willing to accept with lower paid or less desirous jobs going unfulfilled?
1: The, the stimulus checks allowed people to stay unemployed longer, mm-hmm. um, to you know, to, to find the right job. I think those benefits have ended. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily built up enough of an a nest egg that they can say I can, I can earn less. Now, commuting by commuting is an expensive endeavor. And if I'm not having to, and usually it's not something that's subsidized by an employer. Whether I'm going downtown and buying my train ticket, or paying for gas to drive 20, 30, 40 miles to work, um, or paying for parking, that's a huge, huge thing. Um, that I was even asking asking my daughter the other day. Well, gee, if this job is going to be in a downtown area um, of your city, she's not in the Chicago area, but uh, is. Parking something that's going to be a part of it because that's an additional expense that you're going to have to incur. So, um, I don't really think that it's allowed people to want to take less. I think people are willing to take less because they want that flexibility, because they want something that's going to fit them, because they want an employer who's going to treat them like a human being first.
0: So let's um, move over to that to that side. I know we, we, we tapped you as an economist for a little bit here in the beginning, but we really want to get <laughs> into your expertise here as, um, as someone who works in HR. But with labor scarcity, then what can an employer do to retain talent? What are those? What can we do? How can we make ourselves more attractive to keep the
2: talent that we have and in, encourage new talent to join our teams? And Candace, before you answer that, I would add on um, specifically for our listeners, public employers, because there are, I think, some differences, right? We can't have police officers working remote. That doesn't usually work. So um, so if you could cater the answer somewhat to that, to the public sector, that would be helpful.
1: Well, if you're looking at something like, um, okay, you, you mentioned police officers. So, and I do have Um, law enforcement in my family and firefighters in my family and a lot of public a lot of public workers actually um, in my family and in some cases some of those jobs it's it's the career that they've chosen so a police officer would understand that I can't work remotely they don't want they wouldn't want to you know they want to interact with the public they want to be there to support them a firefighter wants to be there to support them somebody who's working at um you know park districts to serve people the ones who are in those front-facing jobs they want to be there to help people out so remote work might not be the type of flexibility that employers can do in that case but what can they do to give them flexibility do they give them things like mental health days i was working with a group of employees Gosh, this was over a year ago, but we were doing focus groups and employees were saying that my, man, my manager told me that I couldn't use my sick time as a mental health day. And then other managers, of course, in that same organization said, oh, no, that's completely wrong. Of course you can. But that's right. something that employers need to communicate that your health, specifically your mental health, is important to us. Mm-hmm. Um that we have your back. If you think about what's going to be mentioned, you again you mentioned police officers, uh, those municipalities that that uh with their police officers to say, we've got your back. We're here for you. What do you need? What kind of support do you need? Again, whether it's time off, planned time off, of course, to take care of your family, or whether that is some resources for your mental health because of all the craziness that's going on um employee assistance programs eaps have long long been an underutilized resource a fabulous resource by the way Mm -hmm. um and we have no ties to any eap so that's not a plug for anything specific but they're a fabulous resource that have gone underutilized and a lot of times because employers didn't promote them well that's something that we need to have for our employees. We need to have those resources. So the idea is think about your employees as human beings. Mm-hmm. I saw another article the other day that said the great resignation is turning into the great reimagination. So what can we do to reimagine our workforce so that employees are being Um, being thought of first as people if you think about employees as people rather than just a number and I've heard that again I just because of the high unemployment right now I've heard I just need something with a pulse I just need bodies and that's something early on in my career when I repeated that phrase that a supervisor had told me because I was recruiting and trying to get people in um, a VP said no they're not bodies they're people And that was something so many years ago that has stuck with me ever since. And that's something that employers need to keep in mind. They're not warm bodies. They're people. And you need to connect with them
0: as people. You know what, Candace, That reminds me of that. Everything I need to know, I learned in kindergarten, and it's (laughs) it's silly, but it's true. Like you know, be nice, listen, treat people with respect, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. I mean, so often I think we we get away from that. We start thinking about the budget and the bottom lines, and I just need someone to do this. Productivity is going to fall. We're not going to be able to meet the demands at the uh, you know at the permit counter or this, that, and the other. Well. What about the employee's needs? I think that's so important. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I agree. And another part of treating them or considering what they need, I mean, let's, if you think back to, you know, your psych 101 and and Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, we've, we've met their basics. We're, we're paying them so they can feed their Mm -hmm. families. Do they feel secure when they walk in the door in the morning? Do they feel like somebody has their back or do they feel like they have to watch their back? That's a huge part of security and a huge part of belonging, and as we're moving up those uh, up that hierarchy, another part of it is that um, the self actualization gets into the growth and development. What are we doing to grow and develop our employees? I used to have a quote um, that I'd printed off on my on my office that said, "You know, CFO, what what happens if we spend all of this money?" investing in our people and you know training them and developing them and they leave and the ceo counters that with what happens if we don't and they stay well we need to i mean again so people may take that great education and training and development and they may go somewhere else but in the meantime we've retained an employee who's happy to be with us they appreciate they're not going to be posting nasty things on Glassdoor Mm -hmm. because gee my employer spent all this money investing in me and look at me I can get a great job now I get a even a better Mm -hmm. paying job now I think that's that's so important and you know you talk about in kindergarten that's something I learned from my dad he was a firefighter he was a fire chief And one of, at his retirement party, there was a guy who showed up in tears with a gift for my dad because he said, chief worked with me so hard so that I could take classes, computer classes, um, to, so that I could get a better job to help support my family. It wasn't as dangerous. Computers are not as dangerous as firefighting. Yeah. And it's an, you know, a nine to five job. I can be there and I was making more money. And my I remember my dad did whatever he could to work with this with this this firefighter to help him with his schedule so that he could better himself and take that's care like of his family it. and he he always my dad said he used to refer to, to them as his kids. I'm like dad that's really demeaning but I found out later it's because he felt as strongly about his team as he did with his children he cared about them as much now i'm not saying that you're not going to put your family first and your employees are going to be more important than your than your family but that human caring mm-hmm. is something that my dad taught me that i think is coming back so it's coming back tenfold now with employers they need to employees need to see that
2: Candice, I'm gonna flip the the question a little bit on you, um, away from employer-centric to employee. What can employees do to make their work environment better, to make it to be part of this solution-driven or innovation-driven environment that we're in today? Well, the the well the
1: important thing for employees, first of all, it, I, I can't take employers out of the equation because employers need to listen. Employees right. need to voice their concerns. They need to let employers know what they need. If you're going to, to quote unquote, suffer in silence and then leave for something that you don't have, but your employer never knew you wanted it, mm. well, you need to give your employer that opportunity. If you need more flexibility, if you, there's a, you know, like I said, like employee assistance or a mental health day, you need to let them know because how many times I've seen employers who we didn't know. We didn't know that you were looking for that. Or, gee, we never thought about doing a compensation study to make sure that you're fairly compensated um, because we've, they get so busy doing other things and tied up in just running their business and keeping, keeping things afloat and making sure that we're meeting the needs of our constituents, the public who comes in that we forgot to take a step back and look at your compensation. But employees need to bring that up. The, the biggest thing I think that they need to do is if there's something that they're feeling, something that's concerning them about the job, if they're overtaxed because their colleagues have left and there's nobody to do the job. Um, so they're, they're having to pick take on extra work to say, listen, I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm maxed out. I yeah. can't do anymore. And in fact, I can't keep up at this pace anymore. What can you do to help me? I want to stay. What can you do to help me?
0: You know what, Candace? It, it sounds a little bit like marriage counseling to me. You know, like you go in and the and they and the the spouse says, "Well, I never knew. I didn't know. You know, I'm unhappy, but why? Well, you should have told me." And what does the therapist say? Time and time again, it's communication. It's right. you know, I mean, communication is kind of the great equalizer. Um, you know, us respectfully discussing, conversing, letting you know what my needs are. I think oftentimes, you know sometimes you have employees that will tell you everything that's wrong well tell me how i can make it better what are what solutions what what recommended solutions um can you propose how can we speak together on this regularly so i'm not just first hearing about it at your exit interview and
1: i think i think you hit on a point that's so so true um communicate number one communication is key and employers need to to focus on that they need to focus on the individual needs of employees I need to know my employees as individuals not as a population because people are individuals I need to know what they're looking for um, and and I need to also encourage my employees to come with solutions mm-hmm. because I, if I if I need to meet employees individual needs well my solution for the person who came into my office 20 minutes ago may not be the same solution for you so another thing that you just mentioned um was that employees need to not only know their needs but know what the solution or know their problems rather know what the solution to those problems are so to be able to suggest i'm feeling that i'm treated unfairly i'm doing a different level of work and so therefore i'm thinking like i don't think my compensation is fair or I'm feeling burnt out, I need to be able to take some time off. I'll plan it, I'll work with you, but I need some time off and not just a day here and there. That's something else that I've always touted with employees that studies have shown that it takes three to four days to start to unwind. When you're, you know, if you when you do take a break and take a vacation, three to four days to start to unwind, and at least six days to start to feel rejuvenated. So employees who are just taking a day here and there or a long weekend, they're never getting back to that point where they're coming back to work Mm re-energized, and they need to take time to do that.
0: You know, we're getting near the end of our time today, but one thing I thought of when you were telling us that great story about your as a fire, thinking of um, employees and colleagues, perhaps as children, when we teach supervisor training, one of the we always mention is to have an individualized plan for each of your employees um, like you would your children. There's not, you know, one-stop shop parent. You parent each child different. Each child has different needs. You might love them, um, but one needs a little more of this. One needs a little less of that. And that's really um, how it works in the workplace as well. So, Candace, thank you so much um, for your time today. If any of our listeners want to get in touch with you or if they'd like more information on this topic, I know you mentioned offline before we started that you have a training coming up. How can you be reached and, and how can we find out more about this? Well, um, so our website is
1: www.hrsource.org, H-R-S-O-U-R-C-E dot dot O-R-G. Um, and we do have a lot of great articles out there. You can subscribe to get our newsletter on a weekly basis. Um, so that and it's not just members that can get that. So I would suggest that we do put great articles out, and as well as you know. Labor and employment, the, the the attorneys talk about the legal side of this. And I talk mm-hmm. about the softer side of this in our articles. Um, so that's that's one way for, for folks to get a hold of us. Um, if you wanted to ask questions, you can send those to info, I-N-F-O, at hrsource.org. Um, if it's about membership, you can just, in the body of the emails, direct it to membership. If it's about me, just direct it to Candace, Candace Fisher. Um, if there's questions that you have of me, happy to answer those there. Um, also on our website, we have information on trainings, for example. Um, again, treating people like individuals and contributing to the team. Teamwork is part of this. People want to be part of something. I, I mentioned the having their back. Um, this, this, uh, this coming, what is that, Thursday, I think? December 2nd, um, there's a, an online session of building skills that build teams. So, what can we do to be better team to be better team players about that, um, that and a whole host of other um, other types of courses that we offer for members and, and non members alike.
0: And Candice, that sh- that training on Thursday is that virtual or is that being t- taking place in person someplace? That one is virtual. We made the decision um,
1: with the Delta variant to do most of our training through the end of twenty twenty one virtually. And also it brings, it enables people not to have to, to travel, to commute, to get to those sessions. Um, but there are a lot of our sessions that we're starting to do. Um, we're alternating, we're doing them sometimes like we, every other time. It'll be, in, it'll be in person this time and virtual next time. So we're, we're trying to meet the needs of our members, just like
0: employers are trying to meet the needs of their employees. Wonderful. And, and again, when we when we saw each other in Galena, I've, I said, well, what can, what can you tell us? What are the, the top trends? What can you predict what's on the horizon? And you said three things, Megan, flexibility, flexibility, flexibility. Uh, And I see that you've offered that in your training as well. So thank you. Um, Listeners, if you have anything you want to say, you know we're here listening. Send us a recorded voice message we can play or join us on a future podcast. Connect with us through the website at www.ipelra.org. And of course, on Twitter at I-P-E-L-R-A. Support IPELRA by becoming a member. We are dedicated to providing training and resources to HR and labor professionals in local government. Join us next time as we discuss 457 plan options. I'm Megan Valera, and I'm Christina White. Our executive producer is Kay Argo, and this has been Real Time with iPelra. Thanks so much for joining us.